or actually the day before yesterday, and he said, you need to switch them. So you're getting what I planned all week long was going to be a Sunday night sermon. And, but I hear this a lot from our Sunday night crowd, and they say, oh, man, our morning people needed to hear that. So guess what? You morning people are going to hear it. Amen? But I pray that uh, it's going to bless you. I pray that great things are going to happen as a result of what God does through his word this morning. Reflecting on our faith. Whenever you reflect on your faith, there's one very important question that you need answered. And that question that you need the answer to is this. Do I have a life-changing faith? Do I have a life-changing faith? In other words, is Jesus making a difference in me? Is Jesus making a difference through me? If he hasn't made a difference in you, if he's not making a difference through you, I have to tell you, you do not have a life-changing faith. The answer to this question is very important because the answer is going to tell you exactly where you're at with Jesus. The answer to this question is very important because it's going to tell you exactly how important Jesus is to you. This morning, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you the way that I've been challenged all this week. I want to challenge you to desire to soar to greater heights in your walk with Jesus today. Individually, each one of us must decide how much are we going to let Jesus be Lord of our life. You've heard it said, He's either Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. How much is he going to be Lord of your life? Individually, we have to come to this place where we determine whether we're going to give ourselves totally to Jesus or are we going to scratch the surface of this thing we call Christianity and just be happy with that. But know this, wherever we are as individual believers, wherever we are as individual Christians in Jesus, that's going to determine where our church is with Jesus. This morning, we're going to examine five little itty bitty questions. Five questions that I pray will help you determine if you have a life-changing faith. And the way you answer these questions are going to give you an idea if you are making a difference for the glory of God. If you find that you are struggling in one of these areas, don't freak out. 
It's not the end of the world. Maybe God wants to help you see something today. Maybe God wants to help you see something about yourself, something that maybe needs to change. My prayer is is that you allow the Word of God to do its incredible work in your life. On page 1044, 45 in the Bible is in front of you, in Colossians chapter 1, I'd love for you to follow along with me as I share Paul's letter to the Colossian church. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven of which you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel which has come to you as it is also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God and truth as you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. First question. Is Jesus at the center of your faith? Is Jesus at the center of your life? In verse 3, Paul wrote, We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith, get this, in Christ Jesus. I love the way that letter starts out. Paul says, I'm writing to the faithful believers at Bethel Baptist Church. He could have said that. But he said, no, I'm writing to the faithful brethren at Colossae. And he tells them, I'm so thankful for y'all. I wish he would have used y'all. Amen. I could identify more with that. I'm so thankful for y'all. That would sound like a Brother Billism. Amen. I'm so thankful for y'all. And I'm also praying for you. I'm thankful for y'all. And I'm praying for y'all. And then he gets a little bit specific. And he starts to tell them exactly what he's thankful for. He says, I'm so thankful that I have heard of your faith in Jesus. You see, he hadn't been there yet. And yet he's heard of their faith in Jesus. Now, when you think about it, that's a pretty impressive statement. The faith of this little bitty church was so great that word's been getting around. Word's been getting around of their faithfulness to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice who their faith is in. Their faith is in Jesus. 
Their faith is centered in Jesus. It's based on their Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has so impacted these individual believers, has so impacted this church that they've gained a reputation for faith in Christ. Everybody knows that they're faithful to the Lord Jesus. I wonder, as people were walking by that church in Colossae, I wonder what they were saying. That's some faithful believers there, man. They're on fire for Jesus over there. And I wonder what people say as they're driving up and down Highway 207 and passing by Bethel Baptist Church. And I wonder what are they saying? Man, that's a, that's a group of God-honoring, Jesus-following, spirit-filled believers in that church right there. I pray that they are hearing of our faith. But here's what I do know. If each one of us individually had a life-changing faith, then the whole church would be known for our faith. The problem falls when we have just a few. Just a few that have life-changing faith and maybe the others don't. And when that occurs, then the whole church cannot be known for its faith. See, Jesus makes a difference. Jesus makes a very significant difference when our faith is centered on him. Things change when our faith is centered on Jesus. And you've seen it and I've seen it too. So many people play the church game. I'm a Christian because I check in at church. I'm a Christian because I clock in on Sunday morning. But then the other six days are a different story. Maybe they get caught up in those things of life, keeping up with the Joneses. They get caught up in the, the whirlwind of their job. Perhaps they get caught up in you know, just all the, the, the family issues. They get caught up in whatever it is they do for entertainment. But Paul wasn't thankful for this church because of all that. He was thankful for this church not because they had a nice building, he was thankful for this church, not because they sang a certain type of music. He was thankful for this church, not because of the certain kind of worship service they had. He was thankful for this church because of their faith in Jesus. And everybody knew it. You see, in part, faith means to trust. When times get tough, who do you trust? When you have a death in the family, who do you trust? When things go south, who do you trust? When you begin to doubt your salvation, who do you trust? For eternity in heaven. Who do you turn to in times of trouble? Who do you give the glory to when things are going great? The way you answer those questions tells you exactly where your faith is centered. If Jesus is the center of your faith, then your life will be different. It'll be different than the world. I pray 
that our church is known for its faith in Jesus. But it ain't never going to happen unless two other things happen. Number one, unless our faith becomes evident in our individual lives. Number one. And number two, unless our faith gets involved in the lives of other people. That's how our faith will become known to the world. This leads us to a second question. Second question, is your love for others growing? Verse 4 says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all the saints. The second thing that Paul is thankful for here is the love the church has for all believers. Do you have a life-changing faith? Is Jesus making a difference in your life and through your life? If Jesus is the center of your faith, let me tell you something, it will manifest itself in how you love, in who you love. It'll be evident by the love you have for people in general. Do you love people? Let me just tell you, if you don't love people, you're probably in the wrong business. Because Christianity is all about loving people. So how do you treat fellow believers? With sarcasm? Like a smart aleck? Do you treat them with indifference? Do you treat them with jealousy? Can I tell you that if you cannot love the most unlovely of us, amen, can I get an amen? then Jesus is not making a difference in your life. We have to love all the brethren. Think of this. Jesus loved Judas, the thief, the treasurer of the group, the one who was skimming off the top, and Jesus knew it. The one who had all the wrong motives for being with Jesus. But he loved Judas. Even when he had all these reasons not to love him. Can I ask you, what excuse do you come up with not to love people? I mean, can we really ask lost people to come in here and love people that we don't love? If Jesus is making a difference in your life, it will show. It will show by the degree that you're able to love other people. If you would turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. You guys don't look like you believe me. So we'll let the Word of God do the convicting. 1 John in chapter 2. If you're not loving Jesus like you should, it's going to show in the way you love the unlovely of us. 1 John chapter 2 uh, in verse 9 
The Apostle John writes, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. You see, you can say you love Jesus all you want. You can say that you're sold out to Jesus all you want. But if you're not loving your brothers and sisters in Christ, those are empty words. Would you rather be with somebody you love or with somebody you just tolerate? Don't answer that question. Can I tell you, I love being a part of this Bethel family. And I think that the main reason why I love being a part of this Bethel family is because of the great love I feel from you. But it's not just that. I think it's also because of the way I see you love others. Even those that are kind of unlovely. Now look at verse 5 with me. Back to Colossians chapter 1. Because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Third question. Does your faith rest in the hope of heaven? Does your faith rest in the hope of heaven? What is it that motivated these believers in Colossae? I mean, what was it that kept them being so faithful? Well, their faith was motivated by where their hope was placed. Verse 5 says their hope was focused on what was promised to them in heaven. They knew heaven was coming. They could bear with the things here on earth. They could bear with the unlovely because of their hope in heaven. Friend, if you're going to have a life-changing faith, then your faith must rest in the hope of heaven. You've got to know that things ain't always going to be this way. Things are going to change. Heaven's going to be different than earth. And if you don't do that, you're going to fall apart. If you don't do that, you'll fall apart at every injustice in this life. You'll get discouraged. You might even quit church. You might even give up on your faith if you give up on the hope of heaven. Because when your faith is resting in the hope of heaven, friend, you won't want to get even. You won't want to take vengeance on people you'll understand that there's a bigger picture. And this life is just a microcosm of what God is doing in heaven. And so Paul is thankful for their hope. Thankful for their hope. Faith and hope, they're always tied together, aren't they? They're always tied together. Faith is always based on hope. In fact, here's what Peter wrote. He said, we're born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ 
to an inheritance, a, a new life that can't be destroyed. It can't be corrupted. It cannot fade away. It's an inheritance that's reserved in heaven for you. Friend, that should give you great joy. It should stimulate your faith because you have this incredible hope in heaven. But if you have no hope of heaven, if you have no hope in heaven, you won't hang in there when you need to. You won't deal with the unlovely when you should. The things of this world are going to look a little bit too attractive for you and you won't be able to bear that temptation if your hope doesn't rest in heaven. Now I know that this whole concept of heaven is kind of contrary to what we're taught in this world. We want what we want, and we want it now. Amen? I don't like waiting, whether it's at the Burger King drive-thru or waiting for my wife to do whatever she does. I want it now. I'm not that bad, but I do want it now. But Christians have a different perspective. Christians look at things a little bit differently. The Christian, the life-changing, faithful Christian, is willing to forsake this present glory, is willing to forsake this present comfort, is willing to forsake the present satisfaction of this world for the future glory that is going to be mine in Jesus. In other words, it contrasts the buy now, pay later mentality of Christmas these days. You want to give your kids a nice Christmas? Pull out the plastic, baby. Right? Buy it now, pay it later. That's the mentality. That's what the commercials say. And you can pay that, you can get this now. You don't have to wait anymore. But the Christian, the Christian is willing to pay now to receive it later. Do you have that Christian perspective? Do you have that Christian mentality where you're willing to pay now knowing you're going to receive it later? And what is it that makes a Christian so willing to make that kind of sacrifice? Hope. Hope based on faith that the future holds something far better than the present can ever give. The future's bright. So bright. And I absolutely love what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. He said, I consider the sufferings of this present time not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Pay now. Receive later. What's that mean? What we suffer now is nothing compared to what God is going to give you later. When you have a life-changing faith, your hope is fixed on heaven. You know how it's going to be. It's not always going to be bad. God is doing a work. And that kind of hope helps you to endure the difficulties. It helps you to get over the difficult times, to get through the valleys. Now let's take a look at verse 6. This hope of heaven which 
you heard before in the word the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Fourth question. Is God's word penetrating your life? Where did this church get all this hope? Where did this church get all this faith? Where did they get all this love? Verse 5 says, they heard it in the word of truth. They heard it in the gospel of Jesus Christ. They didn't get their faith and their hope and their love from the inside of a cereal box. No, they believed it because God said it. They believed it because it appears in the Word of God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. God's promises in my Word will never return void. Everything that I say will come and fulfill its purpose. And listen to this. When they received the word, they were constantly bearing fruit. Constantly bearing fruit. You see, wherever the gospel seed is sown, fruit grows. It may not be today, and it may not be tomorrow, but it's going to grow. That's why we're kind of like just farmers. Sowing gospel seed knowing that it's going to grow wherever it's planted. And if the gospel has penetrated your life, then you're going to be a seed sower. If the gospel of Jesus Christ has permeated who you are, then you're going to be telling other people about the fruit that's growing in your own life. And that fruit production, it never stops. It never stops. You don't get to retire from being a fruit planter. That fruit production never stops. When Jesus has truly made a difference in someone's life, they will produce fruit in every season of their life. And it's so glorious to hear Paul say that the word of truth has been bearing fruit from day one. From the first day that they got saved, they started bearing fruit. The first day. Bearing fruit begins day one, and it continues on. It never ends until God calls you home. You're constantly sharing the gospel seed. Now, some people don't produce fruit because they don't understand the word. I've heard that before. Bill, I can't understand the Bible. I don't read it because I don't get it. Well, let me just tell you something. First of all, you've got to read the Word to understand the Word. Amen? And the more you read the Word, the more understandable the Word becomes. And not only will our lives produce fruit, but that fruit will be constantly increasing. So maybe you are producing fruit. But you know, and I know, and more importantly, God knows that you could and you should be producing lots more fruit. Are you staying in the Word? The Word of truth produces fruit. The spiritual growth of individuals leads to new converts in Christ. 
You just can't help it. The more time you spend in the Word, the more you begin to understand the Word, the more you're going to want other people to hear it. It's how the early church did it, and it's how we're supposed to do it. So I pray you're spending time in the Word. We don't need some fancy program to grow. We just need Jesus to make a difference in every one of us. In every one of us. All we need is a life-changing faith in the individuals for this church to become on fire. You see, part of the reason that the church stops growing is because individuals within the church have stopped growing. Never stop growing. If Jesus is making a a, a difference in your life, then the word of God will be penetrating who you are and you will produce fruit for the glory of God. It's just what happens. So are you withering on the vine? Or are you feeding yourself the word of truth daily? Let's finish up with verse 7 and 8. As you also learn from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ, on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. One final question. Are you making a difference? If I was preaching your funeral today, could I say, honestly, because preachers never lie, could I say, honestly, she made a difference? Boy, he sure made a difference. Are you making a difference? Now, we don't know a whole lot about this fellow Epaphras, other than the fact that, Jesus, that Paul mentioned him several times in his letters. But it's interesting that he's called a fellow servant. Are you? Are you a fellow servant? Are you one who serves others? Friend, are you a faithful minister? You see, we're all called to be ministers. The question is, are you faithful in your ministry? Whoever Epaphras was, we're told that the church at Colossae learned the gospel from Epaphras. In other words, he was producing fruit. He was discipling people. He was making a difference. He had a life-changing faith. He was producing fruit. You see, friend, you cannot teach what you do not know. And you cannot know what you do not study. And so if you're wondering why you don't know more about this thing called Christianity, it's probably because you're not spending time in the Word of God. I find that Epaphras had a life-changing faith. A life-changing faith, and it caused him to make a 
difference in the people around him. When you possess a life-changing faith, you too will make a difference in the people around you. Has Jesus made a difference in you? Is Jesus making a difference in you? Will Jesus make a difference in you? You know, that is what our 3151 challenge is all, all about. It's just making a difference. Praying for three lost people. Committing to learn one way to share the gospel. Inviting five people to your life group or to church. And ultimately, committing that in the next year, you're going to share the gospel. The good news that Jesus saves people from sin. You're going to share with just one person. Imagine if we could double our attendance like that. Because each one of us shared the good news of Jesus Christ with just one. Maybe you're able to answer yes to a lot of those questions. Maybe you said, Jesus is at the center of my faith. And my love for others, it is growing. Certainly my faith does rest in the hope of heaven. And I'm trying to let God's word penetrate my life. But you get to that last one. And you realize that's where the rubber hits the road. And you say to yourself, am I allowing what God is doing in me to make a difference for others? Friends, these questions are for you and God to answer. Today can be the day that you get on the path to allowing your faith to become a life-changing faith, not an empty faith. And you know, it all begins when you realize I'm lost. I've got this sin problem that I have with. I got this sin cancer and I haven't taken the first treatment. And I realize that Jesus is the cure. The first step is that we give our lives to the great physician who provides us the cure for that cancer. If you haven't taken that step, friend, you can never have a life-changing faith. But maybe you have. You've accepted the cure from the great physician. And maybe you say, you know, I've been saved for years. But I haven't been making a difference. I want you to know that today is the day where you can place Jesus on the throne of your life and recommit your life to having a life-changing difference in the life of other people. Do you have a life-changing faith? God's desire is that your faith change lives. Let me pray for you.
Father God, thank you for loving us like you do. And Father, for doing the miraculous, wonderful work that you do in our lives. Father, I know I can speak for my brothers and sisters in Christ. They want their faith to be life-changing. Lord, they want to make a difference in their sphere of influence. So, Lord, all that's left is for us to surrender. All that's left is for us to submit and say, Yes, Lord, my life is yours to do with as you please. For we realize that you died for all. That those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. Lord, whatever the decision that needs to be made this morning, our prayer is that you would give that person enough faith to ask for it. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all